This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 706, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fake deals in the supermarket. TV's selling what you can get. She laughs, nowhere is pretty as this. Great cars crawling in slowly. Lost stars waiting for the dark dream. She smiles, turns and blows the city to kiss. Hello, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 706. I'm Josh Flanagan. I'm here with my co-host, Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. 
my best friend whose birthday I forgot about yesterday. That's right. It's you say it's all right, and you might even mean it, but I I am gutted. I'm horrible. I'm you also really things. just bad about that in general. It's true. It's true. The thing about this is that you are a the best gift giver I know. There's a patron power right there, by the way, and, and you never forget these things. I have them in my phone, it's so a, they pop up and tell me. A, yeah, well, I, that's 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 part of why you're good at it, though. <laughs> you think ahead. I'm going moment to moment. I understand. You're holding on with your fingernails. It's true. The pinkies. Uh, we are oh, fanboy. You got the pinkies. Yeah, and one of them is starting to tear. Oh no. We are a fanboy. Every week we read our stack of comics, uh, and one of us picks their favorite book. We call that the pick of the week. We will talk about that book. We will talk about other books that came out this week, and we will talk about the patron pick. We may have listener mail this time, but I don't know. It depends. It depends on how into it we get. Maybe it'll be like last week. We talk about the book for eighteen minutes. Let's not do that again. I'm gonna try not to do that, but it earned it. What do you want? No, That's was, a, yes. Also, by the way, who knew that our most controversial pick in years would be the one where Superman's fighting the KKK? <laughs> like, I, who knew? Who knew? I, I didn't. I didn't know. This is a fun new world we live in. This is fun. That's what we're going to do is we're going to have fun. Hopefully, you'll learn something. I always like to learn something. I uh-huh. think I think Connor does, too. That's why we're here. We are expanding our minds. We're having a good time doing it. We're talking about comics, which uh, is the beautiful art form. Connor, you had the pick this week. I do not envy you that. So the Alanis Morissette irony of all this is that when Ron came on the show, our old original co-host, two weeks ago to talk about the new State of the X-Men, I said, I don't want to read a Marauders book. I specifically called this book out. But he convinced me to give all the number ones a try. So I read Marauders number one. It's pick of the week. Written by Jerry Duggan, art by Matteo Loli, who I thought was Mahmoud Asrar the whole time I was reading it. He was really good. And I had no idea who the artist was. Yeah. I was like, why have I never seen this? It feels like I have. That's funny. Yeah, really polished and professional and much higher standard than a lot of the art Marvel's been doing lately. This is a really fun sort of X-Men outlaw story. And I liked it even better than the X-Men book last week by Hickman. This is the story. It opens up with Kitty Pride, who is now insists she be called Kate trying to go through the portal in, in Central Park with the rest of her X-Men, and they all go through, and she bounces off the portal for whatever reason. She can't get into Kokoa. She tries the portal there. She takes a sailboat. She steals a sailboat <laughs> and, and and sails to Krakoa by herself. Still can't get through the portals there. Also, it seems like they should have better coastal security. Anyone can just sail up to the shores. If they're going to be that standoffish with the world, then maybe they should have, you know, Krakoa should have some sort of natural security going on. I feel like it's there, just they're not, first of all, there's a bunch of just walking bombs and weapons all over the place, not to mention the place itself, so they don't want to muddy up the beauty of it because they're fine. Like, That's we're true. we're not going to worry about that. We don't need Simply Safe. There's no ADT signs anywhere. She can't get into no. Krakoa, so what is she going to do? She's a not an original X-Men, but she's an <laughs> What old, are you going to do? Old school X-Men, so... She gets a proposal by Emma Frost to basically captain a, a ship that sails around the world to rescue and protect and ferry uh, mutants who aren't able to get to Krakoa to Krakoa. So like, there's a great scene where basically a stand-in for North Korea, that fake Asian country from the History of Marvel Universe, the one where the, the not-Vietnam War happened. They go there because the military has blocked the portals. That was a really terrific scene. They have a, the big fight with the military there. And then there's another one with there's you know like there's a I think it's, I think Russia House has the the portals blocked off like there's a bunch of countries that are not be cooperating so 
their job as the Marauders is to basically be pirates and sail around the world rescuing mutants and saving the day. And I, I really liked it. I liked the sort of angrier Kitty who is being denied her family and friends, so she's got a bit of an edge. She treats some of these soldiers rather cruelly. And I like this grouping that they've got. It's a very classic X-Men grouping that are on the ship. Lockheed's there and Storm and Iceman. And I liked even Pyro being there. And that was, that was a funny joke about him having been resurrected as his younger self, which we talked about before. They have Wolverine on the cover as part of the group, even though he was only in it to get the beer that she sailed to him in her original sailboat. And then Bishop, I guess, will be there. I don't care about Bishop. Uh, I, I really dug this. I thought the art was great. And I thought the, the it's an interesting story. It's an interesting, different take on the X-Men. Right now, I'm in on two X-Men books. I enjoyed reading it, but I don't think I care. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I think that, like, it was sort of silly and jaunty. And I think that if you liked these characters, that might work for you. I, I, I There's a bit, like... I'm not Kitty. I'm Kate. I don't know. It's like it depends if you're going to keep it as a as a gag, which I think it is. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, no one's going to. They've been calling the character this for 42 years. You know, like it's <laughs> it's like right. call me call don't call me Clark anymore. I'm going to go by John. Like no, you, you like so, which is fine. Like it, it's a choice, and I know I get what they're trying to do and everything, but it's weird to have her do it now because she's been through some shit. Yeah, and I wonder I wonder why. Right, well, she got back from being in the space bullet. That's when she's like, I'm not kidding anymore. That would make sense. This is kind of and, – and what I thought and I got, what I got excited about, actually, mm-hmm. this was the first time that any of the characters started to show what seemed like some skepticism. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's what it was going to be, and then it turned out not to be that. I right. thought, wow, it would be really cool if Kitty was the character who was like, there's problems here that we need to talk about. And she didn't ultimately. I don't understand why she was on a little boat. She's the next man. They have. I don't understand why she had to bring Logan. Like it's a good joke, but like I like why does she have to bring Logan liquor? A everybody else can transport all over the place. They can bring it back to the like. I just didn't. I was like, I was like, it's funny, but it kind of doesn't add up to me. Now this had a lot to do with the fact that I read it like late at night after I saw you picked it, and I was like, oh, I gotta read this one too. So I read it, and I could appreciate it and everything, but I don't, I don't think I loved it. Not because it was bad. I think the liquor thing comes from the fact that they're friends, and he's like, oh, you're coming here? Why don't you hear any center shopping list? Yeah. And I do like He the, would do that. I do like the – I mean, I, it might get grading, but for now, I do like the interstitial Hickman-y pages, you know, like Logan's shopping list and what he wanted her to yeah. bring. And later on, there's, like, gossip from Krakoa. And for now, it's fine. And also, we find out that Logan's hair stays up from pomade. So his secret's been revealed. <laughs> yeah. I think the one thing that was done really well, um, and it makes sense given the writer, is uh, the relationships with the characters. Like, they, you know, they, they got it down to, like, Logan is close to Kitty. Bobby is close to Kitty. You know, uh, her relationship with Lockheed is interesting. Yeah, no, like, all that stuff. And, you know, and Cena Grace did that really well in the Iceman book with having her there. I thought she was a really good character in that sense. So there was little touches of that there. You know, like, I, I don't know, is this an ongoing? Because yep. I think as a concept, it's going to blow itself out pretty quick unless, you know. Everything's an ongoing until it's not, no. Right. No, no, I, I get that. X-Men was fun. I didn't, like, love it, but it was fun. I like this one a lot, obviously. We'll see where it goes from here with Excalibur, New Mutants, X-Force, Fallen Angels. Uh, that's a lot of books. It's just the list of all of it makes me tired. Yeah, I mean, I hope, on the one hand, they're all good. I hope, on the other hand, they're not all good because I don't want... No. I don't want to add six new X-Men books to my pull list. And even if they were all good, like, that's too much good <laughs> in in one area. I mean, unless they're really, really good. But 
I don't I doubt that's gonna be the case for me. But maybe if you're out there, this is your like this is your X-Men Renaissance and and you know, more power to you. And I applaud them for going big on the whole thing. Like they're they're like, okay, well, no one's really been excited about the X-Men for a long time. And by no one, of course I'm generalizing. But let's go big, let's make all these books, let's have Hickman sort of show run the whole thing and let's really yep. do this and see what happens. So let's I mean, I applaud it. Let's see let's see what happens. I do agree with that. We'll enjoy it for as long as it's good. At least I will. I think the thing with kind of this thing is like if it's like a whole thing they're doing and it's it's you know the new status quo and that's fine. I'll I'll read two or three books like that. I don't I don't want to read eight. But maybe I don't have to. I just feel like it's over like you like this? Well have all this. You know, it's it's you know, like like it's like supersizing a meal. It's too much I stuff. I don't think you'll have to read all eight. I think it's all gonna feel part of a world, but you're probably not gonna have to read more than next minute, maybe in one other book. Yeah. Another book that I enjoyed this week was Action Comics 1016. And this issue was sort of a journalistic recap of Superman's fight with the Red Mist and how Naomi, who really needs a superhero name, showed up to help him and save the day. And then they go back to Naomi's house and deal with her parents and everything. And that was fun. There were some really nice moments in this. Uh, and it was like a classic. I was like, oh, this is like an old issue of Powers. Like, if you liked this and you've never read Powers, you should read Powers because you'll like it, I think. So it was fun in the beginning to watch that, you know, that that sort of swirling man on the street and then going back and forth to the people. And each one gets their own personality and voice and point of view. And, you know, he's got he's great at that. And he doesn't get to do that. I used to do shit like that all the time. Yeah. And then, you know, after that, I really I like the dynamic between Batman and Naomi. I thought that was really fun and how he did that. And then when then uh, both Superman and Batman talked to Naomi's mom, I thought that was excellent. And I like that it feels like there's going to be some um, progress with uh, the lady, right? Whoever the the bad guy, Miss Leone, because mm-hmm. th- she's been lurking in the background for like a, a hundred years right now. And I feel like it is time because it probably hasn't been that long calendar wise. But you know, all the mysteries and the Leviathan and yeah. the whatever and, and the Red Mist, like okay, get on with it now. I do feel like that. I like that Batman had a very different relationship with Naomi than Superman did. Since mm-hmm. he's been dealing with all of these teenage psychics forever, he knows how to deal with a teenager superhero. Mm-hmm. He basically reverse psychologies her into doing something. You know, mm-hmm. you can't go do that. And she says, I'm going to do that. And then there's, there's a panel of him sort of smiling to himself. It's funny that that's how you read it. Because I thought of it as he was testing her in terms of like her willpower to do the right thing or something like that. What's what I mean? Listen. Like, he, you know, like, what is she going to do when faced with this adversity? Mm-hmm. Because he's clearly fine with her going to do it. He would stop her if he didn't. Right, yeah, yeah. So it's like, oh, well, you can't go do that. You're not ready. And she goes, well, I'm going anyway. And he's like, yep, that's good. Yeah. You've got the stuff, kid. I really liked the previous page where they're all looking at the screen in the Hall of Justice. I don't know who they're looking at. The I guess that's her readout? Yeah, I think that's Naomi. He's studying her. There's a shot of Batman sort of holding his chin. Panel three, yeah, I'm thinking hard. I really, I never, I don't think I've yeah. ever seen Batman portrayed like that before. I liked it a lot. It's really nice. I don't necessarily love Simon Kudransky's art as a style, but it's doing the job. Like, I don't know that. I, I think it's even the production. I don't necessarily like. It's very but dark. In, in terms of the story, yeah, in terms of the storytelling, the action, like that kind of thing, it's really well done. Like, it's very, you know, sort of dramatically. It's a lot of faces and talking in this, and it didn't feel feel like it was that. It's still pretty dynamic because there was that big fight scene in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes I don't like the way he portrays a character, but, you know, then I move on. Sidebar. 
didn't want to put this on social media because I feel like it's calling somebody out. There's this ad for the Black Canary, I'm assuming all ages books, middle age graphic middle, novel. Middle grade, middle grade, yeah. Yeah. If you've never seen somebody play guitar, don't draw someone playing guitar. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The hands that doesn't it doesn't work like that. Anyway, <laughs> it's a pet peeve of mine. It's, it's for like the year old, so middle age, middle grade, middle grade, middle grade. Why does it? Yeah, uh, things you learn when you start publishing. So I, I mm-hmm. like that. I also like King Thor number two. Jason Aaron Isad Rivik. This is the second of four issues that are wrapping up his time on Thor, and this is a big fight scene between. Thor and Gore and Gore and Loki. I liked it, obviously. Isad Ribbit continues to be incredible. I love the production of his work. There's one scene where it gets all black and inky, and it's just all negative yeah. space, and it's all his it's his pencil lines as he's filling in the blacks instead of inking them. I just love the way that looked. Yeah. His use of light is so incredibly good. Yeah, he try, He really makes... It's funny, because I don't think Gore is necessarily great design, Mm-hmm. But he makes it really well. Yeah, okay. you know, like like I think if other people were drawing it, it, it might not come across quite as well. But in this, he does it really, really great. And sort of like that shot of him, the annihable, annihilable blade. I don't know how you say that. <laughs> it's way in the foreground and it's really it's all just super epic. Annihilable blade. He did subdue the shark on the next page. Mm. The shark's name is Death Mouth. She rides around a shark. I feel like maybe the shark's mouth of death could have been a little more dramatic. Yeah, but, true. you know, hey. Where's his rows of teeth? You know, he's just like, he looks like he's just sort of gnawing, uh, you know. Put a little into it. Show some fury. I am a shark. I'm in space. Jason Aaron loves to write me. What's interesting about this story is, since it does take place way in the future, the stakes are high in that I don't know what's going to happen, you know? True. He could kill everyone. And Gore could win. Because none of this ultimately will matter because it'll be another writer's take on Thor and it'll be a different story. And the end of the Marvel Universe. Right. You know, in a larger sense. I think it's interesting that this is issue number two and it felt like we were edging up to a a finality very quickly. Mm -hmm. Where it felt, you know, like, like they're in it now. They're in that fight. So either the fight is going to end, you know, they can't fight for that many more issues. Or there's going to be some sort of, you know, detente and then, you know, but things build up and then there's another final confrontation or whatever. But again, I think it's like I kind of want them to like, all right, get over with do this thing. Tell your story. Unless there's some other act that I don't know about, you know, like that's some other interesting twist. Get it over with. Come on. I just, you know, I want something. I want something. It's it's good to look at and it's fun. <laughs> but it, it feels I was like, is this going to be a four issue stint on King Thor? Because we're at the end of the universe. What comes after that? And maybe that's the plan. History of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Josh. What have you done for me lately? Get on with it, Flanagan. Yep. Did you read The Amazing Mary Jane, number one? Nope. Should I have? No, that's fine. I just wanted to mention it because uh, <laughs> I really like that issue of Spider-Man where she was the star, where she was at the, yeah. um, the show, the Broadway show, and there was a villain attack, and she ended up beating the villain. And, and so off of that, she ended up getting cast in a big movie, and, and that was also in Amazing Spider-Man where she... Ends up leaving town, and Peter is rushing to say goodbye, but he, of course, Spider-Man, gets in the way of doing that. Now she's in L.A. shooting a film, 
I mean, clearly it's written by someone, Leah Williams, who has some experience in Hollywood, but but some of it's a little bizarre. Like, she's shooting a highlight reel for investors, but if the guy directing is the hottest director in town, he wouldn't need it. But it doesn't matter. So she's shooting this Spider-Man film, and she's, she has a lot of questions for the director. She's very confused about her character. And she finally tracks the director down on the set and figures out that it's not the director. It's actually Mysterio pretending to be the director, and he has sent the real director off to do his, like, his personal project about penguins. So he sent him off to the Falkland Islands to re- research penguins. And so, that. so while he's there, he's pretending to be the director and he's shooting this film about Spider-Man that's actually full of lots of sympathy for Mysterio. She's like, this film is oddly sympathetic towards Mysterio. And that's how she figures out that that's who he is. Mm-hmm. But then it's mostly about like produ- film production. So I don't know what this book's going to be about. I mean, obviously I do know because at the end of the thing, we see the real Sinister Six who are in the film as characters see the report of their film being made. So they're going to Hollywood to disrupt it. So clearly that's what's going to happen. In the meantime, this issue itself is just about talking about the script and how to make the character better. You know, seeing the sort of the ins and outs of how Mysterio is using all of his powers and also his robots he's used over the years to attack Spider-Man in the movie. And it's a kind of bizarre and interesting story, which I liked. And the art was by Carlos Gomez. I think, because it was no credits page. It was good. It was solid. Good storytelling. Mm-hmm. Good character work. Better than what we've seen from a lot of lower-tier Marvel books like this before. That was good. It's got to be a miniseries, obviously. And we just said there's no miniseries, but there's some miniseries. It doesn't say on the cover. They don't ever like to tell you on the cover until the second or third issue. So you'll buy the book. Yeah. But they're not going to sustain a Mary Jane ongoing series. Right. That's a tough call, unless it's amazing. And even then... It's really solid, and if you've been enjoying Spider-Man and you and you like Mary Jane, it's it's worth reading. Mm-hmm. You know, she's a fun character, obviously. And I liked it; it was enjoyable. It didn't blow my socks off, but I also it wasn't bad by any sense of the imagination. It was fun. It was just the younger generation of writers coming up who have lived on Twitter are a little grating at times when they insert these kind of things into their scripts. That's life. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. I liked it. It was good. All right. Quick break to talk about how you can help the show, patreon.com slash ifanboy. We've been inching ever closer to our next stretch goal. We're like less than $200 away from it. So if you're thinking about joining up and you want to hear a non-comics media podcast every month where we would talk about films or TV shows or movies or whatever, we can get there with only a few more members. So check it out, patreon.com slash ifanboy. You also get all of our full-length video and mini shows or YouTube channel, which I was looking for some shows the other day and I couldn't find them. So that was annoying me. Like, Damn it. These aren't on here. T-shirt store, ifanboy.thrillist.com, where you can find our t-shirt designs. Ifanboy logo, Herm, Pick League podcast, ratings. If one is Electro, GDAT, and Nothing Makes Sense, Nothing Matters. So those are all there. You can get them on shirts, and also you can get them on other apparel, like bath mats or um, shower curtains or iPhone cases or what have you. It's all there at ifanboy.thrillist.com. Ifanboy.com slash support. That's where you can help us out directly via PayPal. If you just want to throw us a quick couple bucks in donation to help keep the show going, don't want to be a member of of Patreon or anything, that's totally great. You can help us out there. Also, Ifanboy.com slash Amazon. That's where you can find links to buy books on our Booksplode and also a general link to Amazon. And as the holidays come up, that's always an important place to go. So Ifanboy.com slash Amazon. But thanks to everyone who does that. Those, Those are really important in keeping the show going. It takes a lot of time to do the show, and we do appreciate those who help. Criminal number nine. It's hard to say new things about this. And every time I think, am I getting tired of this? And then I read it and say, no, no, I'm not getting tired of this. <laughs> We're back to, so was it uh, Leo? Yes. Who was in the first arc of Criminal Ever? The, yeah, the original character, yeah. Right, so the guy on the cover who's never been in it since then. No, no, he's he's been in this arc. He's been in these issues as, as a kid. Uh, what does he say at the end? He says, the first time I've written this character, or maybe it was an arc about this character since the first... 
Yeah. First time I've written about Leo since issue five of our original run in 2006. Right. This I mean, we've seen him. This is I'm quoting. We've seen him a few times. This time we actually get into his head. Okay, so that's 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 what it is. Yeah. I, I really I liked this. I liked the sort of background of the Leo character and the push pull of what was going on. And it took me a second to adjust to the fact that Ricky, who we've been you know hanging out with before, was this other kid who was super annoying. And unable to hold on because he's been going through shit that we've already read about. And I was – it is hard for me to keep all these characters straight at this point. Oh, it's very hard. That's I always joke about needing the board of characters, but it's true. Yeah. Shadowy white kids basically. That's that's what we get here. You know, we've got the heist here that they've been talking about or at least that mm-hmm. – not talking about, but they've been leading to uh, where Leo and Ricky go to a arcade to rob the uh, cash box. And I really loved the – the portrayal of the heist and then the flashback to how mm-hmm. he figured out how to do the heist. You know, he was there playing yeah. video games and he, he saw the alarm code written behind the, the wall and then he cased the joint. Like, it was like very step-by-step. Like, yeah. Oh, this is how his mind works is, okay, I see that over there and I see that over there and I see that over there. Oh, so clearly I can rob this place. And and uh, I liked all that. And then there was a sort of a side thing about, you know, his degenerate quote-unquote uncle, his dad's friend who was always around and I just thought this was a great character piece. Plus, there's, there's actually a lot of action here. and They get busted trying to... There's not as much cash as they anticipated, so they're going to steal Mrs. Pac-Man because they're idiot teenagers. And, of course, they get caught trying to steal Mrs. Pac-Man. There's actually a really intense fight scene with the security guard. I thought this was a really terrific <laughs> issue. Really terrific issue. It was. It really was. And it was one of those ones where it took me a second to orient myself at the beginning. And then when I got to the last page, I, I, I wanted more. Yeah. I do need to make that board, though. <laughs> yeah, the, it is It is tricky. Who are these characters? I want the, that security guard to come back. He was a good fighter. He was great. He was really interesting. Yeah, no, and also just like an unexpected sort of characterization of that minor character. Yeah. You know, he wants it one way, but it's the other. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> said something like that this week. I don't remember who, who it was. Did you read G.I. Joe number two? We talked about issue one. I did. I think this might be my last issue. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I'm having a bit of a hard time, I guess, orienting myself with what it's, this world is. It's, it's a whole new continuity, so it's get through everything. Yeah, else. it is a brand new continuity. It's not connected to anything that came before. I don't know that I l- like that. Right, that's why I'm like, eh, forget. I'm gonna be very specific. It's not a bad comic book. No, it's not my GI Joe. I really like Scarlet in this. Yeah. There's a scene where basically one of the kids who – I can't figure out the kid at all and, and maybe that's sort of the point where he's he's trying to – he doesn't seem like he really wants to be there and then he, he figures he's got to do something. He's trying to prove himself and so he, his idea that he's going to try to get a punch in on Scarlet and he can't because she's very, very, very good at fighting and he is not. And so he keeps going back and she's beating the shit out of him. This is one of those you know Captain America, I can do this all day moments mm-hmm. and the big turnaround is that you know the team comes in and they all attack her. Right. Not to hurt, you know, that's not the point, but they all attack her to, you know, and that we're a team, one for all, all for one, G.I. Joe, you know, and I liked that. I thought it was really well done. I don't love the Cobra's command in charge of the world thing. I, I don't know. It's something about that. I I did like speak. that Cobra started as a tech company. Oh, that, yeah. That no, makes sense to me. And yep. I did like the reveal at the end that General Hawk is going hat in hand to Destro for weapons. I also just like the word that they used, clandestro. I was like, yeah, I haven't heard that in a while. There are a lot of instances in throughout history of arms dealers working both sides of conflict. and Sure. I don't think that's ever been explored in G.I. Joe before. However, everything else I could take or leave. As we talked about with issue one, 
with so many great characters in G.I. Joe, you don't need to introduce new ones. And you certainly don't need to, you know, like make it more diverse because it's already super diverse. One of the most diverse IPs from the 80s by far. Yeah. You don't need to change the race of characters because there are already tons of races in G.I. Joe as it is. And also Rock and Roll looks like a hipster. So not my G.I. Joe. That was like that in Aubrey's run too. Kind of. He was like a rocker. I guess that's what he is. I really did like the art in the punchy scenes though. Yeah, really, like good. It was it. the solid storytelling and yep. all that stuff, but just not my G.I. Joe. Fair enough. Let us uh, move along to Books of Magic. I don't have a ton to say about this, but I am still reading it. And uh, I've actually never read any of the Books of Magic Tim Hunter things. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's been in the background of books I've read. And it's one of those things where I thought I should go back and read that sometime. But but Tom Fowler draws this. Well, he's doing the layouts, right? Yeah, he did the layouts in this one. But normally he's been drawing it. And what's funny is that I read that at the end. But throughout it all, I thought this looks more like Tom Fowler than some of the other ones had, which I think is really interesting. This definitely had some of that looseness that I like in his work that I hadn't really been seeing, I think, in the in the issues prior to that. I'm enjoying this, and it, it's because it's really easy on the surface to say this is a Harry Potter character, which isn't true. I mean, there's right. there's things that are similar. He's British, he has glasses, he's learning magic, he's kind of nerdy. He's a scar on his head, his nemesis is a, is a snake man, sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> but it's a whole different attitude than than what happens in Harry Potter, and so that actually tends to make it pretty novel and i've been reading it's a pretty slow burn we're 13 issues in and i'm not entirely sure of the footing but i'm, I'm still reading i'm still enjoying it it's very interesting you're enjoying this book. it clearly has a lot to do with your loyalty to tom fowler because i can't imagine a book that's kind of less for you than this yep although you did enjoy the unwritten yeah which is also a similar sort of situation and then uh, you did enjoy the, like hellboy and stuff so maybe i'm wrong yeah like things that take play i mean yeah like things that remind me of those vertigo comics that i used to really love that sort of take place in that area and are well done you know they're different than the other stuff you know it's and i like i like that second comic number 4 mark russell richard price and leonard kirk i wanted to mention because we're finally digging into what i've been waiting for with this book which is you know, Jesus to start talking about how humanity has fucked up his teachings. Because that's in Mark Russell's wheelhouse, and I assume that's the whole reason why he's doing this book. So now that Jesus is in prison, and there's a lot of Bible talk in prison, he can be like, who the fuck wrote this? I don't know any of these guys. <laughs> I love that. And also, the opening scene with the superhero support group and my new favorite character, Robot, R-O-W, Dash bot, who's got fours for hands, is my new favorite thing. I didn't get to this. I have the last two right here, and I will read them. So I'm looking forward to it. So you're, you are saying, though, still good. It's still, still good. Still. And it's not at the level of Flintstones or even like Wonder Twins. Which is a weird sentence. Yeah, but like it's not that level of, it's like, it's not top Mark Russell, but <laughs> it's allowing Mark Russell to explore theology, which is where he came from. And. Mm-hmm. That's always really interesting and good. Yeah, I agree. As we all suspected, Jesus comes back. He's get, he's not going to be believed and thrown in prison, and, and that's what, what's happened here. It all tracks. And the art's really good. Um, mm-hmm. The two different styles they employ are terrific. So those books we're going to talk about, but at patreon.com slash ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Anyone who's a patron can vote. And this week, we had a nail-biter. We had a winner by one. Turned out to be The Amazing Spider-Man Full Circle by a whole mess of people, which we'll talk about in a second. This was actually the runner-up to Pick of the Week, which I'll talk about also in a second. But this was a jam session. It's very similar to what DC did a while ago with that Commandy book, 
where mm-hmm. every issue was done oh, by yeah. a different creative team, but then there was a cliffhanger, and the next team had to resolve the cliffhanger and move on without dis- you know d- discussing it with no sort of central plan, sort of like an improv book, basically. Mm-hmm. And so here we have like an 80-page Spider-Man book in which every 10 pages or so the creative team changes and and they have to continue the story on. It's, it's like that game where you tell a story without you, change, yeah. you continue the story on. But the thing is, much like that Commandy book, you've got a really top tier of talent here. You've got Jonathan Hickman and Jerry Duggan and Nick Spencer and Kelly Thompson, Al Ewing, Chip Zdarsky, Jason Aaron, and then you've got Chris Bocciolo and Greg Smallwood and Mike Allred and Valerio Shitty, Chris Sprouse. I don't know who Rachel Scott is, Cameron Stewart and Mark Bagley. This is not like a low-tier group. Mm. And I was super into it until about the halfway point, and then I think it kind of fell apart for me. But about halfway through, I was like, wow, this is great. This is pick of the week. And then by the end, I was like, eh, it kind of fell apart, but it was still really fun. I'd say that's about right. I don't think I lasted as long as you did. I think when the when we got to the round all red, uh-huh. the werewolf party, and then there was a bit where he had to beat them up, and he was like, I'm sorry, Aunt May, and he punched her. And I was like, nope, he's not going to do that. That bothered me. Let's back up and say... Sorry. It's a out-of-time Spider-Man story. So yes. what I loved is it involves S.H.I.E.L.D. with original Nick Fury and Dum Dum Duggan. And yes. like it's that classic Marvel. Spider-Man wakes up in his black costume in a name base where he's been missing for two weeks. And they've had him in this like tube, this like healing tube. Uh-huh. And he comes out and he finds out that... Uh, there's some sort of weapon that escaped the thing. He does, we don't know what it is. I like the fun of it in terms of like Hickman kicks it off with leaving all these mysteries. Like what is the weapon? Because we never see it escape from the thing. Who is this mysterious person in the cell that keeps talking to Peter? And so that's a fun game. Like what, how are they going to resolve this? And I think what, where it fell down for me was I didn't necessarily love all of the ways it was resolved. I thought the reveal of the person in the room was kind of dumb. I didn't like that. The werewolf thing was fine. It was just some sort of this this sort of werewolf virus that got out, and it was all right. But I love seeing Greg Smallwood draw Spider-Man. Holy shit! Uh, well, I, I was really my my main takeaway from this is that I am an acolyte of the Church of Smallwood, yeah. and I will follow Smallwood's work until I don't need to read it. I just want to look at it, and it it was so. The Bachelor at the very beginning, I was like, oh, "This is great." Oh, Problem with Bachelor is when you, when you read Bachelor on a digital reader, it always feels like it's cutting the page off. I don't, I, it's not a mistake, but I all of my like, he doesn't use the gutters, so yeah, I know. It, but it just it feels like if because if you read, Comicsology does the spreads for you, but um, if you get PDFs, it doesn't, and right. it feels like you're getting a spread that hasn't been put into a spread, and you get and I'm like, no, it's just Bachelor. But I, I, I flipped over to those Smallwood pages, and I just oh, like it delivered. Plus 100. <laughs> it was so good looking. It was so like the color was great. It was so good. And I, and like that's I almost spent the rest of the issue just trying to catch up to that. Right. And then the, the other thing is that I didn't want to I didn't want to keep flipping back to figure out who I was looking at and who I was reading. Yeah. So I kind of just tried to read it straight because yep. it would have taken me all day. Just like, wait, who's drawn this? And so I kind of just let go of it in that sense. The first 20 20- Five pages or so, which for me took you through Hickman and Bachelow, Duggan and Smallwood and Spencer and Allred, were great. And then that's for me when it fell apart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got no slouches after that, but it just, I feel like the, no, the, game, the game sort of collapsed a bit at that point. It wasn't 88 pages worth or whatever, yeah. 80. Like it, it, it was way too long for that. And, but I also just love seeing original Fury and, the old sure that first chapter when you open up and it's black suited spider-man and and original nick fury i was like yes 
the one of the most fun was the fun things is like this is just oh this is Nick Fury. Yeah. This is the actual you know like kind Who of jerk. I love this character. He's a great character. Well, <sighs> now he's the what is he the un, unchained unseen unchained melody something. He brought such an interesting you know angry asshole vibe to Marvel and he's just and he's you know they don't ever use new Nick Fury at all at least in the books I mm-hmm. read. It's just it's just a waste. They took they took this character and they destroyed him. I'm assuming the idea is that he's, you know, a man out of time in a way and and maybe their new audience is not interested as much as as this sort of Cold War warrior kind of person, this Chuck Yeager. I don't know. That's all I can think of. <laughs> I love when he killed the aim guy in the not Disneyland park. Fuck you, fascist. <laughs> right in front of the little girl at the ice cream. <laughs> that was a great that was a there was, and then the little like the insert was the little girl. <laughs> that was that did that was that stuck out. I think I grabbed that. Oh, that was so thing. good. That was also Smallwood. Just oh yeah. I also liked how uh, there's a bit where he kills um the 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 the, the all red werewolf guy. Uh huh. It didn't even like it wasn't. Oh yeah, he was, like he killed the, the main werewolf guy who was going to reveal all the plans to to Peter and. All you have to do is bam, got him. <laughs> he's so happy that he did it. <laughs> he blows it's like the, if a dog, the pile of shit, eats it. He's really proud of himself. Yeah. Same kind of deal. I mean, yeah. What I think once, once you got to home and everyone was a werewolf, I was like, oh, okay. Yep. I was I was pretty happy with space and Nick Fury, and not so much with what's going on in Spidey's head. And that was about Less. all, just just shy of halfway through, and so I was really into <laughs> it and. At that point, I was like, "Oh man, this is this is so much fun. This is gonna be pick of the week." And then the reveals—I was really excited for who's this guy that's dogging Peter and constantly talking to him from behind doors. And then it was like, "Oh, it's just Peter from the future. That's not fun. that's not interesting." <laughs> I, I mean, it was fun, but ultimately kind of disappointing. Uh, let's do ratings on it since we don't have to worry ratings. about sticking with it. Uh, Ratings—it's uh, tough because, I, I, as I said, the first half I really loved. So I'm going to give it a th- three and a quarter because the first half is like a five and then it falls off after that. So averaging it out. Three. I think it's worth reading. If you love Nick Fury, if you just want to read a fun Spider-Man you know, jam piece. And also there's an interesting part at the end where they show the conversation of how they wrote the last story because the last story is a jam piece where all the writers worked on it with Mark Bagley. So there's an interesting... You know, almost Slack conversation, which is clearly just email, yeah. but about from all the writers talking about how they're going to write this. It's an email conversation. So, so by the time I got to that, though, I was like, I just read the story. I don't care about this. <laughs> you might find it interesting from a process perspective later on if you have some time to read it. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was good. I, I, I had fun with it, even if I was a little disappointed by it. Patreon.com/slash/ifanboy. That's where you can go vote to add a book to the rundown. But if you give it the five dollar higher level, you get your own superpower live on the show, your own patron power. And so we'll kick it off with Josh. Well, that is good that you're doing that because I have to scroll to Jeffrey Davis. <laughs> I had the power. I was all ready. And I was like, I'm not in the right part because there was a lot of credits on that last book. Yeah, there was. They yeah. took up a lot of it. So good on you for putting all those in the script. Jeffrey, good with with herbs. Good with herbs. Yeah, like uh, my knee hurts. Oh, you want some uh, thrush wood and rosemary root? Makes a poultice. Okay. Poultice. Poultice? One of the things, but also you ever do a recipe and you look at it and you say, this is calling for oregano in here. And he's like, no, that's exactly what you want. But you want to make sure that's not too dried out. 
He's the herb master. The herb master. <laughs> what about like herb master? You know, when we were younger, herbs stood for something else. No. No. Unless that's an actual herb. And we're talking about real herbs. You know what? I'm telling you right now, I just realized I don't know what the actual definition of an herb is. Wait a minute. Does he does that mean when he has Kentucky fried chicken, he knows what the eleven herbs and spices are? Thousand percent. He's the herb master. Some of them are spices. He just knows the herbs. Ooh, that brings up a different question. I'm going with just herbs. He probably just by dint of his 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 talent, you know, knows a lot about spices. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing there are some, you know, there's some crossover there. But whatever it is that herbs are, and I don't know. <laughs> he does. You're not the herb master. He is. I'm not. I don't. I don't claim to be. I'm just telling you what he does. But you know, your stomach's upset. You want arrowroot. I don't know what that is. I don't know if that's a thing. It's a thing, but I don't know what it is. I just know it's in that aisle of the grocery store next to the gelatin mix. Patrick O'Kelly. Patrick O'Kelly has flashlight feet. What that means is all, on. all of his toes are mini flashlights. All right. So if you needed it, if you had like a power outage, he takes his socks and shoes off. He's got 10 little flashlights. That's that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's, and that's the, weird, weird. the really weird kind of gross things is that they deploy by his toenails. Uh, they come up. They like they hinge up, and then the light. Ugh. So like like old like old like Corvette lights. Yeah, like it, it like it like you know the, the, the toenails pop up and they they shoot light out. I got to tell you, this is this whole thing is way too much into foot stuff, and I'm not really a <laughs> big fan. And so I'm I'm trying to like participate with you, but also I'm a little like squidged out. So I'm I'm just like all right. And, Whatever you, know, you say. The funny thing is, like, if you ever really like stubbed his toe really badly, and like cracked mm-hmm. his nail, suddenly just light would start shooting out. <laughs> I made a visceral. I made a visceral face there. <laughs> and did you po- did you pound the table? My chair. Yeah, I went like that. Okay. I got a. I don't like feet. I get you. I can keep going. Otherwise, or you can talk about Rusty Richardson, who's got a great Stan Lee name. Rusty Richardson. That's true. I can picture him. <laughs> You think about that though is you know what he is? Hmm. He's invisible to all selfies. Oh, selfie invisible. He can't take them of himself and he can't appear in other people's. But it has to be like an, a true selfie because right now at this point we've lost the thread on what the word selfie means. People have used it to to describe any solo photo. No, it's a self it's when you take a camera and you point it back at yourself and the person taking the picture in activating the picture. is in the picture. Right. And they've have activated themselves. So he can't take them of himself, and if if he were to be some sort of mildly famous person, somebody walking down the street, oh my god, can we get a selfie? He'd have to be like, no. So either everyone thinks he's a dick, or they suspect he's a vampire. Yep, it's a tough road for Rusty Richardson. If you want them to take the photo of us, we can. Right. Yeah. I have a no selfie policy, but I will take a photo with you if someone else holds the camera. Yeah. Which all, which it also makes him sound like a dick. So then he would be described as a weirdo. And again, we're not we're not saying you're a weirdo, Russ. We're saying how the press would describe you if you were famous. No, it's a, it's an. I mean, in some ways, it's an unfor. I, I can't really figure out the benefit. Right. It could be a curse. Yeah. Sometimes it's a curse. If he likes selfies, true. He may not like him. Jake Ignatowitz. Nice work. Is a plant healer. Uh huh. In these times of global climate strife, he can lay his hands on plants and heal them. Hmm. He should get together with Jeffrey. This basil is wilting. I got gotcha. you. Not while I'm around. 
<laughs> it should be a team. <laughs> the Unwilter and the and the Herb Master. Unwilter and Herb Master. Coming soon. From Dark New Horse. from Valiant. <laughs> so or, or, or Dark Horse. He can save any plant. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. Patreon.com slash iFanboys where you can go give the $5 high level get your own superpower or just give it any level and you can vote to add a book to the rundown and help us meet our next stretch goal, which is nice. Let's do some email. We have some time. Yeah. Adam from the days of future past. Uh-oh. Where do you guys think you would stand if we lived in a world where, with mutants and there was a Mutant Registration Act pending in Congress? Ignoring the allegories for minority populations that the X-Men represent, I can't see myself not supporting it. It's a double negative. If you wouldn't want a person to lose a limb because some guy's glasses fell off and beam shot out of your eyes, and you don't want persons telepathically controlling others. I've been thinking of this question for roughly 25 years when it was a story arc on the X-Men cartoon. So, I don't know, you'll probably won't remember this, Josh. You may not have even been there, I don't remember. But many years ago during Civil War, we were at Comic-Con, doing our Comic-Con thing. And we were at the Cup of Joe panel. Again, you may not have been there. It was some grouping of us. I was definitely there. And they were talking about Civil War, and everyone was... It sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, you, may, you, yeah. Probably, you were probably there. I, was, I remember this. Everybody was supporting Cap, and, and Joe said... This is the Joe Quesada, Quesada panel. I don't, I don't know if he still does them. Or he might still do them, even though he's not running Marvel. Like he was, I mean, he was the, when he was the editor-in-chief, he did. Yeah. I don't, I mean, he might still, but it's not the same. He said, basically, look, guys, if this was real, you guys would all be on the, side, on the Iron Man side. Like if, I if, remember that. If some guy walked in here right now and he could blow up this whole building with just his thoughts, you would want to know who he was and, and where he was. He's like, in reality, this is a whole different story. But in the comics, uh, you know, you can choose your mm-hmm. side. But in reality, you would all be on, on Iron Man's side. And comic book fans, being reasonable folks as they are, went, yeah, he makes a lot of sense. <laughs> That's not what he happened. There was no booing. No. What do you think, Josh? It's interesting because he said ignoring the allegories for minority populations. I was like, boy, that's putting a big turkey out of the way. I mean, then it becomes almost like a – I don't even want to use this term, but it almost becomes like a gun control question. It's a, it's a you know, like a weapon. Like everybody's walking around armed. Right. Do you want to know whether they have weapons and, and, and powers? And I mean the, que- the, the, the thing is – if you weren't one of those people and you were scared of them, yes. If you were one of those people, you would un- it would also understand why you didn't want to be there because you wouldn't want to be persecuted against. It's a very like, complex issue. Like if they were really dangerous, is. then – But if, if they weren't dangerous, there's just some dude walking around who could heal plants. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily need that guy to be like tagged by the government and put in like a camp. In general, making a list of people – that the government is keeping track of is, you know, that gives me a bad feeling. Like there's no, and it's impossible for me to get away from the allegory of minority population in that way because simply by subjugating them into this thing, then you've made them into minority population. There's there's no part of it. But the question is like, I don't know. It's 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 a. It feels like the ser- the answer is much more serious than the question. Well, human human was beings intended. being who they are, some of them will be bad, and some of them will use their powers to yeah. for for their own, to hurt others and for their own benefit. And so you know, it's and it's tough when it's like, oh, that guy's a walking atomic bomb. Then what do you do with that guy? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't necessarily want him walking around unfettered, but I also mm-hmm. have a very strong belief in freedom. So who I don't know. <laughs> Luckily, we don't have to worry. About well, that. I mean. I mean, you take it another way. Take a person with like, I'm going to try to line here, but I'm going to go for it. If you have a person with like a disability, like a person who has ASD or something like that, it's actually very possible that that person could be dangerous because they're not reacting to stimuli the same way that other people are, and they could be very strong. This is a thing that happens. Do you make a list of them? 
this is a different level of it, but you know, do you, or do you, do you offer services? Do you, you know, do you try to make sure that people are as integrated in society as possible without necessarily ostracizing them? You know, like it's, this is like, okay, take it, take it another, another way. This, I, I can't not keep this serious. I'm sorry. It's, no, it's it, actually a serious question. When people were, when AIDS was first a thing, yeah. like you want the government making a list of everybody with AIDS because they yeah. were dangerous to other people. Some if people wanted the people that to happen. Some people wanted them to put in camps. Yes, exactly. Go back and watch that old Oprah show. It's chilling. In, in retrospect, you know, if you look back at any, basically if you look back at any instance where a government has done this thing, where they had to register or make lists of people, you know, it's not good. Like the outcome of it has never looked good backwards in history. Now that doesn't mean you don't do anything, but you know, I don't know if I would, you know, what's funny is if I was like a big gun owner fan right now, I'd be like, fuck yeah, because it's the same argument. You're like, well, I don't want to be registered and I don't want to list of people like me. I don't want that. You know, like I get that too. But the difference, the difference, uh, that? easy. I'm not getting into this. <laughs> it's just, it, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about perspective is yeah, all yeah. I'm saying. The good thing is we don't have to worry about it because we are not prepared for this question. We've never had to ever deal with it. There's people who are really good at like fighting, but they can't telepathically control someone's mind. That's something we've never. We've until we hit the age of the metahuman. This is all fun speculation. I don't even know what the answer would be for me. Like I don't know how you, how you, how you balance people being put in a, in a list and in a camp versus their humanity while at the same time if they're walking around as dangerous weapons of mass destruction. I don't know what the answer to that question is. Mm. I don't know. You know what? It's what makes the comics interesting. And that's why the X-Men are interesting. The better that you can write both sides of those arguments in the story and make it compelling instead of saying like just like Bolivar Trask is an asshole, you right. know, then it's it becomes for to me it becomes more interesting and that allegory gets stronger and yeah. makes the story. Juan of Los Angeles, California, where Connor is. I recently read a sales report by Forbes magazine on last year's comic book sales and of the $1.095 billion of comics revenue, 28% was manga graphic novels and 41% was young reader graphic novels. For the first time ever, superheroes only accounted for 10% of the market. I'm curious what your thoughts are on the decline of the hero comic, what caused it, also, what do you think can be done to re reinvigorate it for new readers? Personally, I think it'll bounce back, but I'm 29, so I can't speak for the young readers. Josh stifles a laugh. <laughs> I don't. I laugh out loud. <laughs> uh, first, he's, he's accurate. This, this is a report that came out a, little, a couple weeks ago. But I, I don't know if his third paragraph is accurate because you're assuming then that superheroes need to be reinvigorated in a, in a monthly comics format, whereas – they're also being read in young reader graphic novels. You, you're, you're talking about format, not character. One of the reasons why DC's got in with two feet on YA graphic novels is because for the last five to ten years, the main growth in not only comics but publishing in general has been YA. Yeah. It's been one of the main areas that's showing any real growth in books publishing. And so... DC smartly recognized that, and so that's why in every comic of DC you see a new ad for a new YA or middle grade graphic novel because that's where the growth in publishing is right now. It has been for a while. And it should be. I mean, here's the thing. Like, the thing is, this question is presented like here's a problem that needs to be solved, and I don't see one in a way in that, A, the superhero doesn't die. The superhero is the most popular 
media character in the world, just yeah. not necessarily coming in the form of, of comic book genre. For a long time, this was the goal. This is what everybody wanted. Well, you've got it. And now the the bus that brought you here, the comic books, the superhero comic books, are less important than they've ever been, which is not entirely true. They've probably been less important, but they're not super important now. But at the same time, forever, people have said, like, what can we do to get kids to read comics again? Well, you have gotten kids to read comics again, but it, they changed the format. They changed the genre. They changed the, you know, Yeah, the, they're reading the Arena, Arena Tellmeyer books instead of Brian right. Bendis books. And so the, the question is, like, well, what can be done to save, you know, superhero comics? Like, you know, the world moved on a little bit. And, and I've been listening to people. And, and it turns out that they didn't really want people to read kids, – kids to read comics. They wanted kids to – you know, read their comics. Basically, to me, I'm going to say DC and Marvel because that's really who we're talking about. They never changed what they were doing. They still made the same product for the same people that they've been doing for the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And because they're afraid to lose those people. Understandably, they don't want to alienate their existence. And every time they put a foot, you know, in the other world, they get a little bit of hook on it, but it's not enough and they're not going to make the full turn. I mean, the best thing that they could do would be to just go all in and push in all their chips. Now, that would alienate the 100,000 people who buy the comics. What do you mean by pushing all their chips? Just change your format. Don't put, all of your, don't put all of your money into doing these same kind of comics all the time and keeping the adventures of you know Batman and Superman for the 40-year-old people like us who read them and, and whatever. It's good, and I want it to exist, but should it be around forever for just because? No, not necessarily. I think we've reached the top of... People who will pay $4 for 20 pages of comic on Wednesday. Yes. And they're, I don't think they're regenerating. New people come along when others drop off, but like the number will, tr- will continue to trend down. People are more likely – and again, we'll say, we'll say this and someone will say, well, I started reading comics two years ago. And again, there's always going to be some small <laughs> number of people, but not enough to move the needle. People are more likely, it shows from the numbers, to want to read a comic in a book form. Mm-hmm. That's where the growth is. The growth is in the bookstores, not the comic stores. Which is terrible for the comic stores. Like that's the worst part of it to me. Right, like, but also you, for years we've said that this was the case, and there was a lot of discussion before digital came along. The assumption was that comics were going to move to all graphic novel format because that's where the only growth in the market was. And if you recall, Josh, we had a conversation at Comic Con again with someone very high up in the industry, who everyone knows, who's listening to the show, who said, "I'm, I'm assuming all the comics are going to be graphic novels in five years." Now it's before really digital came around and things changed a little mm-hmm. bit. You know. Watchmen still sells a lot of copies. The Killing Joke still sells a lot of copies every year in bookstores, mm-hmm. in book form. But tell some random person, hey, you should start reading comics. Oh, when do they come out? Well, they come out every Wednesday. Cool. How much are they? Well, they're $4. Cool. How much, is, how much story do I get? 20 pages. They're not going to do that. Yeah. And you got to buy how many a week? Well, uh, 10 to 20. So that's how much? To get the good stuff, you have to look at the uh, distribution uh, catalog and order everything three months in advance. Right. It's not a system that is very welcoming. We've seen that people who are deep in the in the hobby will pay four bucks for a comic, but mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that is a barrier of entry if I've ever seen one. Yeah, and 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 also that's not. I don't. I also. Don't, I don't think that that is a result of greedy publishers trying to overcharge or anything. I don't think that's it. I think it's the economic reality of the cost of the Survival, thing versus. Yeah. And versus the cost of the, of the thing to produce it versus the number of people who are willing to buy it, and that's just where we are. Right. I'm guessing keeping it at four bucks is a challenge. That's just yeah, utter speculation. What happens but. when it goes to five for 20 pages? Mm-hmm. I very famously wrote an article for iFanboy saying that was my limit. Mm-hmm. $5 for 20 pages is ridiculous. Yep, and I remember when three was ridiculous. Issue sales are v- relatively flat. Mm-hmm. This is the industry we've got. 
it's fine. It's a good industry. All of you fine people are fun, and we have a good time doing the show, and yeah. and it's all fine. And people we like make comics, make a living making comics, and it's just the growth is somewhere else. But the good news is that means comics are a healthy, thriving medium. It just it's just not in comic stores and and not necessarily featuring superheroes. Isn't it awesome that so many kids are reading graphic storytelling? Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. My kid does not give a shit about reading superhero comics, but he reads comics. Both of them. You know, they they read Judd Winnick's Hilo. They read Randy Togelmeyer. They read Captain Underpants and Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And those are all comics. I read Randy Togelmeyer's book with him, I Smile, you know, and I was like, mm-hmm. this is so great. And then I realized that she was married to Andy Rutten. And I was like, I know him. <laughs> so... And I told my kid that, and he's like, I don't care. You always say you know these people. I'm like, yeah, but I no real. <laughs> Especially if you think about the way media is consumed now, right? Yeah. Is that everyone wants to binge watch a show. No one wants to watch a show week to week because mm-hmm. they want the whole package in, in, in one go. So if you tell someone you can read this whole storyline in this one book or you can go every Wednesday for however long and pick it up in serialized format, they're going to wait for the book. I donate a lot of my stuff that I don't want anymore to a – a classroom at a high school here in LA and the high school kids love reading comics in a way I was shocked but they love reading the books I used to give single issues and those weren't that popular but they love reading the graphic novels yeah because they want the whole story in one go would you like to hear some shitty math I was told there was no math when we started doing this show Juan was 15 but he can't speak for the young readers well Juan <laughs> I got news for you pal <laughs> <sighs> I think that a little bit to the certain extent, the publishing model of superhero mainstream comics is a little like the blacksmith. You know, when the cars came along, those guys had a hard time getting as much work, but no one's really doing anything wrong. You know, it's, there's, no, there's no evil behind it. It's just shit moves on. Things are just changing, you yep. know, and we always knew this was coming. It's just a matter of how long it would take. And when I lived in New York, the store, Perkins Street Comics, which no longer exists, was a really popular comic store. And then... Mm-hmm. Right before I moved, they were actively taking away shelf space from single issues and giving it over to kids and YA graphic novels because that's where they were seeing a huge amount of interest and growth in their store. And by the time I went back, right before they closed, for reasons not to do with sales, most of their store was for kids and YA books because they were making a ton of money that way. And then they had a, a little bookshelf for the new comics, and you know they had pull lists for their dedicated Wednesday customers, but for the most part, they'd become a YA and kids bookstore. And that was eight years ago. Yeah. It's only gotten more widespread since then. My local shop here, you know, and I know the guys who run it, they've always been smart. They had a kids section and not, you know, like with a bunch of different stuff in it. That was part of it. Then they also run, I mean, you're talking about comic shops. The ones that are going to survive are the ones that diversify from that. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like old issues up on the wall, all superhero, you know, do like that shop's gonna have a hard time surviving if it isn't sort of opening up to different communities and stuff like that to try to keep the medium of comics alive rather than support Marvel and DC. And I, I want to end this conversation on saying we I don't want anyone to think we are disparaging the Wednesday Not, reader. We are amongst and we are you. This obviously. Is, it's just this is just the way things are are trending. Yeah, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not mad about it. I don't necessarily want it to go away, but I, if it did, I would. You know, there's no ill will. I get it. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's where you can write in, like Juan and Adam. Two great emails. I don't think we've ever gotten either question before in our yeah. in our however many years of doing the show. Fourteen. Oh yeah, ask Juan. 
So let's talk about our other podcasts. So out in our feed behind this show, you can find the Talksplode that Josh did with writer Kyle Starks. That's right behind this two shows back. Either way, it's it's back there. It's the latest Talksplode. That was the show that was unlocked by the patrons. So thank you for that. And also back in the feed, you can find me and Josh and Mike Romo talking about Joker. And also coming this week will be Wonder Woman Bloodlines, the uh, next animated original brain trust discussion. Uh, that will be coming out probably this Thursday. Not probably. Yes, definitely this Thursday. Although I say that not having recorded it yet. but <laughs> Risky. Something could happen and then we can't record. But we are planning to record it early in the week and then release on Thursday. That's our plan. It'll just be Connor with as many things he can carry on his back running away from encroaching <laughs> fires going, I couldn't do the podcast. <laughs> or, exactly. <laughs> A little dingy offshore. Ding, ding. Keep hearing that in the background. <laughs> I would love to do a show where that is in the back, like the like the DVD menu for Jaws. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't yeah, you? Yeah, the buoy sound. Do you like what we've done here? Do you want to know more? Well, you need to open up a browser on your on your chosen device. And you need to type in ifanboy.com. You'll go there. You can find all the podcasts that we have ever done. You will find as much of the material on there that has still been able to stick around. All that stuff. You can comment on this show. You can comment on other things from the past, although that will probably not get you a lot in terms of response. You can find out what the pick of the week is. Make sure that you've read it before the show comes out uh, by liking facebook.com slash ifanboy, following at ifanboy on Twitter, or, of course, uh, following at ifanboycomics on Instagram. Uh, There you will also see some of the best of the week in panels when we get them up and uh, other things, usually because a cool Jack Kirby thing. That is another thing that happens. (laughs) But look at this, though. Look what he did. You can follow us individually. C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram or at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram. Do you do you like do you like an old man playing guitar? Well, I got I got the I got the place for you. If you like uh, the show, you can leave a review in uh, Apple Podcasts or a star rating or whatever it is they do there. Better yet, you can tell your friends about it. You can tell people on social media about it. You can wave the flag. You can dig out that old iFanboy member shirt and walk around until somebody asks you about it. Stand at the top of an escalator. Somewhere. That was a great it's, shirt. It's true. I got boxes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready to get, ready to just fill my son's uh, my older son's dresser up with them. There, these are what you wear now. Make, make him wear it to school. Yep, yep. And he was like, "What is it? Ugh, nothing. It's stupid. That's all." So help us help us uh, let people know about it if you can do that. And other than that, just enjoy the show. I hope you enjoyed the show. That's what, what that's what why we do. That that's is literally the only hope we have. Mm-hmm. It's an entertainment show. Yeah. The whole point is you should have a good time listening to it. Make you think. But also have fun. I'll, that'll do. I think that's enough. All right. For this week, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. And writes my poetry. This girl is.